I hope I never forget this. Um, I was standing in the stands, and I think someone had already yelled someone about something about someone being someone's dad, and I just yelled, "That's my dad! That's my actual dad!" Yeah, I mean, he definitely wanted you to know who that was. Oh yeah, I wanted everybody to know that that was my dad. Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Justin. And I am not Justin. I am Nathan. He is still Nathan, not Justin. Still Nathan. Yes. And today we're going to go over the uh, the Vanderbilt game, I guess. Such ennui. It was just, it was very much, I mean, I watched the entire game from a fainting chair. Not because I fainted, but from any sort of stress or anything, but because the best way to watch this game was just sort of blasé and and very you know intentionally horizontal right in many ways yes in Um, many ways i think there's some things we can pull out of it but i would say like experientially and you know aesthetically it was not the most pleasing game to ever ever happen Uh, but it happened yeah that's why we're here to talk about it yeah the craziest part about it of course was that it was homecoming so how was homecoming for you nathan homecoming is crazy um i wrote that twice on the notes uh if you <laughs> are associated with the band or affiliated with the band homecoming is always crazy because the alumni band comes in which is awesome uh the alumni association is a lot of the reason that the band is where it is right now um and they offer a lot of a lot of support to all of our students but um when they come in it's very cool to see them play uh but it involves a lot of sort of logistical hurdles because <clears throat> Uh, the alumni band practices in the morning without the redcoats, most of the redcoats, and they don't all have like the big instruments, right? No, most people don't own a sousaphone, unfortunately. Um, so they have to get the they have to get the instruments from the students somehow or from the truck. Then they have to put the instruments back on the truck. Then the students have to get the instrument. Then there has to be an exchange so the alumni band can play pregame, and then there has to be another exchange so that the the band can get their instruments back. So anyway, long story short, it's um it's very stressful uh, just because there's a lot of people in a very small uh, place trying to find each other and say like, Hey, I need this person. Hey, take this instrument. And it's just a lot, but we got through it. The alumni band sounded really good. Uh, I met, well, I didn't meet, I actually knew him. He was a band with me, but there was an RCB alumni who listens to us. And as he walked by, he was like, Hey, Chapel Valkyrie. And I was like, yep. And he was like, Hey, uh, we, you have a big following. There are a lot of people who listen to this show in the pharmacy school. And I assume he meant UGA pharmacy school. So thanks, pharmacist. For, <laughs> we appreciate your... I mean, really, a pharmacy student is very on brand for this program. Like, someone who yeah. cares about, like, you know, have, has passed something other than business calculus and cares about statistics and data and stuff. Um, it was great for me to see a lot of my old friends and alumni band. Um we had sort of like a reunion of the sousaphones had been living in this one apartment for like 10 or 15 years, just passing it down from person to person. And we had a, re- a reunion of people who have been staying in it from 2006 until now. Oh, um, my wife lived in that house or is it the apartment? No, it was the house, but she lived at the that one house? next door. She lived, yeah, yeah. she lives two doors down, but the only one that the Sousas still have is the one that I was in. We, I thought on the field, uh, we played a lot better at times, but the penalties were really frustrating. I would say even with like the minus three penalty adjustment you have to give to every Hubert, Hubert Owens game because he's incompetent, that, you know, that's still a lot of 
uh, penalties. And we can get into that, like what that means more specifically going forward. Yeah. Um, what what do you mess. have? The rest were just a mess for sure. Uh, it was a really fun game. It was my uh, my friend Kylie's very first game day experience, even though she's lived in Athens for a decade. She actually lives in uh, Portland right this minute, but uh, it, you know lived before moving to Portland in Athens for the last 10 years. And so just like me, we had uh, both worked in the service industry most of that time. And so usually when you work in the service industry, you are working on game days. And it's, you know, it's a really great day for money, but other than that, it, it just really isn't all that great. Um, as somebody who has to pour booze and you know send food out to hungry people who don't understand why things are taking longer than they normally do, but that's neither here nor there. I no longer work in the service industry. So yeah, it was her very first game day experience. And although she is not necessarily a football fan, uh, she's a sports fan. She's a, a bicyclist and so absolutely loved understanding a bit more about everything going on she already had like a very basic understanding of the game and everything but getting to look at it through a more advanced statistical lens was a lot more fun for her so that was really great got to do all of the game day things did dog walk did um try to get to the shows in time like the Susie show and stuff but we just with game day uh, homecoming going on it was just absolutely insane um Still got there for like the pregame show, got there for dog walk, got to see like the whole stadium and it was, you know, it was really awesome. Got to see a lot of the alumni, alumni band stuff. Um, uh, light, light Up Standard was awesome. Light, <laughs> light Up Stanford. Stanford was awesome. Yes, that was incredible. Wrote down a few pieces about my experience and uh, I was really excited to see some defensive players kind of uh, that, that we don't get to hear from a lot more often. Um, a lot uh, very often we, we got to see them kind of have a really great game like Tay Crowder and Tyler Clark and... Um, Nature's Patrick had a really crazy game. So, like, the guys that we don't normally talk about in a super positive way or call them our fathers uh, had a really great game. I thought that was yeah, awesome. Yeah, like, See, yeah. Tyler Clark really set the standard for, the like, the whole tone for the game on the mm-hmm, first two drives. Mm-hmm. So He really did. And yeah. um, he is he is not the nose tackle maybe that we need in terms of, like, we need a nose tackle. That's who we're missing right now. But he is definitely one of the better like outside defensive linemen who doesn't play the nose that we have on the team right now. And we need him to be disruptive. Also, we came to play the passing game. We came to pass the ball this Saturday. Yeah, I know that was pretty cool. What a wild time that was. I know what, what a, what a, <laughs> like a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of, uh, play actions on first down that yeah. worked because we run most of the time. That was pretty we crazy. Th- we threw more passes and standard downs than passing downs. I don't know what that's all about. Just jeez, jeez, what a crazy yep. time that was. Jake Fromm and Justin Fields both looked great. And just from the the basic eye test that I was seeing out in the stands was that it seemed like they both had a lot more autonomy this game. It, uh, you know, once we got ahead a good bit and into garbage time, Kirby Smart seemed to give them a bit more uh, leeway and let them call more of what was going to happen. We got to see a bit more complex plays. We got to see a lot more RPOs. I thought yeah. it was super neat. That was I, a lot of fun. I thought Justin Fields looked really good. Um, he did look really good. We can get into we can get into this. Let, let's do our let's do our stats updates before let's we get talk about too them. deep into this. So, um, five factor box store score. Uh, obviously, the score was Georgia forty one, Vanderbilt thirteen. Win percentage post game was a hundred percent Georgia. Uh, we both had the same number of drives at eleven. We only had six more plays than they did sixty five to fifty nine. However, we accrued um, two hundred and forty more yards at five hundred and sixty to three hundred twenty one total yards. Yards per play, we had a plus three point advantage, our three yard advantage, eight eight point six two to five point four four. 
our um, success rate was at 64%, well over the national average, and their success rate was at 33, well below the national average. Um, our points per scoring opportunity, we had four, we had seven scoring opportunities, they had four, they had 3.25 points per scoring opportunity, we had 5.86, which was pretty good. Uh, average field, field position, we had a negative 4% average field position margin, They their average field starting position was 25.5, ours was at 21.5. Uh, our yards per play margin... The only interesting thing, uh, the only other sort of like interesting thing to me is uh, we both had a zero turnover margin on the day. Uh, however, they had a much higher expected turnover margin than us or a slightly higher expected turnover margin than us. They uh, On the day, Vandy's expected turnover margin was... Well, their turnover margin was zero, but their expected turnovers was 2.3. Yeah, their expected turnover margin was 2.3, uh, of which we collected none of them, mainly just because I guess we had a lot of Havoc plays, which is pretty dope. Um, but they did not, um, we didn't, nobody really cashed on a turnover at all. So, um, I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I mean, I think it kind of speaks to how overall, overall, we only had like 0.17, uh, turnover, lo- turnover luck, turnovers worth of turnover luck. However, I do feel like this was a game that could have gotten even more out of hand had Vandy, um, followed through on some of the turnovers that looked like it was going to have, uh, to this date on the season, including games after Saturday, which was, uh, October 6th. Uh, UGA is currently third ranked in S&P Plus at the 98.1% S&P Plus margin, um, S&P Plus percentile. They currently have 5.7 second order wins. They're only missing about 0.3 wins from being second, um, from being having six, uh, just based on stats alone. Uh, their offensive S&P Plus is currently ranked fifth. Um, their defensive S&P Plus is currently ranked 19th, and their other special teams S&P Plus is also currently ranked 19th. Last week they were fourth and went up one to third. Um, in terms of five factors, UGA looking very, very good on offense, as would as you would expect with the fifth-ranked offense in the nation. Uh, success rate, fifth in the nation. Marginal efficiency, fifth in the nation. Explosiveness, 16th in the nation. Marginal explosiveness, 16th in the nation. Average field position, 89th in the nation. Makes sense. Womp womp. <laughs> Points per scoring opportunity, 30th in the nation. Expected turnover margin, 7th in the nation. Actual turnover margin, 12th in the nation. So haven't really been giving a lot of opportunities to throw interceptions or fumble etc uh defensively 85th rate success rank or success rate uh that's actually up from last week so that's good marginal efficiency 55th also up from last week iso ppp second in the nation marginal explosiveness first field position 31st uh finishing drives 22nd which is i think kind of a theme for me with this defense to this point is that they just really finish drives well and they don't give up touchdowns quite a, uh quite a bit uh, and uh, overall, UGA is currently getting uh, 0.6 points per game in turnover luck. Um, let's see. We have the offensive and defensive footprint. I think the only thing worth noting is UGA is currently at 57th overall Havoc rate. Our DL Havoc rate is still 124th, which I think is dead last. However, our LB Havoc rate is 17th. Our DB Havoc rate is 47th. So sort of like evening that out a little bit. Um so we got all these stats. We've also we've also got some normal, sort of more traditional stats. Is there anything? What observations do you have from this? We got better defensively. We got better uh, considerably defensively, except for like you just said, uh, through our havoc rates. Our havoc rates are still pretty, for the most. No, uh, no, they're they're pretty much below average. We're just playing it real safe. It looks like our our overall havoc rate is still right about where it was before. But uh, I like that our efficiency across the board on both sides of the ball is getting better. Um, I like that we're not relying as much on explosiveness, but I do enjoy that we are keeping other teams honest and keeping them from becoming more explosive over time. So that's been really great too. We're, we're, those are the biggest pieces that I'm kind of seeing. 
Um, I think, you know, from this game, uh, the individual, do you have any observations from the game and anything other than that, like specifically from this game alone, or is that it? And then also concerned about that one piece I actually didn't even bring up was just to have a great allowed by our offensive line. Do you have anything to kind of talk towards that? Is that, you know, we're, we're doing really well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even though we have like a, we've, we've been suffering from these injuries and kind of moving back and forth. So what are I we mean, doing right? What are we doing wrong? So in terms of Havoc rate allowed stuff, right? I mean, okay, so if we just go through some basic, like, offensive line-ish stats. Um, uh, so as you said, our Havoc rate allowed is very good. We currently are third in the nation at 9.3%. Our opportunity rate is fifth in the nation offensively. Our stuff rate that is 13th, r- rushing marginal efficiency 7th. Sack rate 56th, which is still above average. Um, passing down sack rate is not great, but that probably has more to do with some individual busts. Uh, standard down sack rate is 16th standard down yard lines per carry is fourth oh. <laughs> um and you know we have had some injuries it sounds like solomon kinley and lamont galliard both got uh sort of roughed up on saturday and it sounds like both of them are going to be back uh galliard came in uh during the game however solomon kinley got carted off and it looked like it was gonna be bad but then today kirby came out and said it wasn't as bad as that they thought it would and that he might play for lsu so it's just a good. it's a mild mcl sprain yeah so I, you know, you don't ever want anyone to get injured, but if we were going to have injuries on this team, we would have, if you could have asked like, where would we want to have injuries on this team for the team to still be as good as it could, you would definitely have said offensive line, because I'm not really sure the offensive line is our best position, but it's probably the deepest. So it's definitely the deepest. You've got so many five stars just waiting to take those spots as people go down that I'm not really that concerned with it. And I really don't think. I mean, I think we're going to have, you know, if we have to play uh, Trey Hill or Jamali, Jamari Sawyer next Saturday, you know, it's not a big deal. However, I think that we, I, I think it will be a big deal. However, we will see some just freshman problem plays the way we did with Cade Mays when he first started. Uh, but, you know, having said that, when it comes to starting a freshman, your best possible scenario probably is that they play solid, but they aren't, um, but they aren't perfect because they're a freshman. Yeah. They're not going to play like lights out necessarily, but they're going to anyway, play. Anyway, long, long story short, I'm not I'm not really that concerned about it. I, oh, I no. think our I think our offensive line is one of, if not the best in the nation. Um, just our offensive line room, not just the starting five. So I think if we were going to have injuries, that would still be that would where we be where we wanted it. Um, I thought it was interesting that our defense was much more efficient this week, but we gave up quite a bit in explosiveness. We had positive ISO PPP plus on both rushing plays and standard down this game. Um, and Vanderbilt's success rates were not great, right? 30th, uh, 30% success rate rushing, 35th pass, or 35% passing, 30% on standard downs, 38% on passing downs. However, they did have a positive um, ISO PPP plus over one point, over one in rushing, passing, standard downs, and pass downs. Which to me just kind of, part of that I think evokes the fact that they had a couple of big runs. They're rushing uh, ISOPP plus was the only thing that was actually above the national average. However, I do think that, well, and standard downs were both above the national average. I think that that really comes from two or three busts in coverage. So on the one hand, I, I like seeing the improved efficiency numbers. But on the other hand, I, th- I, thought, I think I saw a couple of schematic things that if we don't fix that LSU and other good teams are going to try to exploit. Um, we did not maintain maintain very good gap discipline on running plays when Vandy tried to run us left to right. Like anytime Vandy tried to move the line of scrimmage, either by doing a side protection or by running a counter or running um, like a slow developing like zone play to the left or the right and just basically moved the line and tried to um, 
have the running back be behind it and be patient. We had real problems maintaining our defensive linemen just where they should be. And blasting game, to his credit, was pretty good at cutting back into the lane and basically just making our outside edge guys look foolish and losing contain. Now, you know, none of those are really things that aren't fixable in the immediate sense because they're all sort of just like mental things. I think we have probably the players to execute those uh, those elements of ru- uh, run defense a little bit better, but we're just not seeing it right now. And so that's something that kind of is a little disturbing. But I also think that seeing improvement where we have been bad, even if it makes us a little bit worse in other areas, is not that bad. I also thought that the offense is scary good when it wants to be. I think we need to see more uh, up-tempo um, you know, when we're not going into the two-minute drill going forward. I'm not of the opinion that we should always be playing up tempo, but it's very clear that Jake Fromm and several of the offensive school players are more comfortable than we all, when we are. Um, let's see any other observations. Monty Rice is a badass. Uh, Richard LeCount is a badass. Uh, <laughs> Richard LeCount is a badass who will miss a tackle occasionally, and that's annoying. But you know, um, it was just it, it's very clear, and I, I think this game really reemphasized to me what I had been saying, but you know what probably I didn't believe in my heart, which was that. This team has enough talent on paper to win just about every game it plays going forward. Um, and when that talent is all moving in the right direction and everyone's not making stupid mistakes, they are, they're going to win big. So, I, I mean, and I don't think I saw anything on Saturday that changed my mind about that for any game going forward. Yeah, this, this offense is it's just good. It's good yeah. all around. Yeah. It's so it really good. Is. Like, Very there much were, so. was not a single receiver with less than 40 yards. And if you look down at like the just a success rate on on like how many balls are actually catching as to how many times they're being targeted, that speaks to both the receivers being uh, just outstanding talents and Jake Fromm and Justin Fields playing an outstanding game. Uh, not a single receiver had less than eleven yards per catch. Like it just keeps going, and it's like it it doesn't make much sense that this offense can be as good as it is, but then it just does. <laughs> it's yeah. one of those te- it's one of those things that it doesn't always pass the eye test. But then when yeah. you look down the stat sheet, you're like, oh, we're like really good. And that's kind of what yeah. we've been preaching yeah. the last like four or five episodes is like, hey, calm down. Yeah, we're this really te- good. This team is <laughs> this team is definitely young enough that it's an, it's going to be ugly a lot of the time. It's real scrappy. And one of the things I said walking out of the stadium on Saturday, I was talking with Kyle Andridge, former co-host, well, not co-host, former guest host of the show. And I was just saying that it reminds, they kind of remind me of uh, Clemson in some ways because they are, they just play with their food a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they just, like they don't always go for the kill, it seems like, and they make stupid mistakes and it's just like, okay, we're up by 12, but we should be up by 24 and... But I don't know. So There's just a lot let's of Let's talk that. about that though. Like that, this is really interesting because I, this is why, again, I think this is intentional uh, because it seems like every game that we played, we played pretty similar teams, but the thing that's been different is that the what thing we've struggled with. And so I think it is the team being tested more so or, or just moving pieces into different slots to see uh, just to kind of like the players are getting a little bit more each game. So that just incrementally more autonomy and more... Um, how crazy is that? I don't know if that's too crazy or, or what. No, I mean, like... I, I think definitely there are enough freshmen starting on this team that the whole playbook is not opened up on both sides of the wall. Well, sure. Uh, yeah. And, it's, yeah. And we played a lot of very, I mean, I, I was talking about us getting gashed on cutback lanes and on gap integrity. And part of the reason is, 
you know, they kept running the counter and they kept running the draw and then they would run like this um, sort of stretch game to the left. It was usually to the wide side of the field, but I noticed they ran it to the left more often. But they would run those plays and we would never stunt out of them. We would never bring pressure into them. So, you know, I mean, honestly, like that kind of thing, that's 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 fixable. You know what I mean? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, definitely fixable, especially the the penalty piece of things. <laughs> I think yeah. that that young part of the team manifests itself in got a bunch of penalties. And like you said, a few of those were definitely uh, not justified. But... Well, yeah. And, and, and on the penalties, I mean, even though there were some bad calls, there were also just some stupid mistakes. And I, I really loved um, in Kirby's press conference on Saturday, he said that they were stupid mistakes. And his tone was just like classic old man pissed off teacher. Uh, it's a tone that I have assumed many times. And then I, I heard that. And then I also heard today that Monday's practice, today's practice was closed. And so what that tells me is that a lot of someones are getting their asses chewed out or were getting their asses chewed out this afternoon. So I expect that that's a fixable thing that we can see that will, especially with some of the stupid sort of like, uh, you know, contact after the play is over and unsportsmanlike, all that crap, I expect that to be gone. I mean, overall, I think what we're kind of talking around is sort of the message that we've had for the last few weeks, which is that, frankly, this is a team that can win every game and can win this game at LSU, but they're not going to if they play you know, they have to get better each week, which I think is interesting that as we have been talking about this, that Brian Harrion uh, just tweeted, uh, keep getting better one word at a time. So apparently he also thinks that. I like this team. I like this team a lot. Yeah, I was just thinking too. about, I just saw a picture uh, while you were kind of talking. I just saw a picture of that first pass deflection that Tyler Clark uh, was a part of this, this past game. Uh, I think it was on the first or second drive, but He's fighting through two blockers and still manages to get his hand up to knock away the pass. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. ugh, ugh. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's five-star talent. And Tyler, 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 why? That's a throwback. It's a throwback <laughs> to two episodes ago. To two episodes ago. <laughs> that's that's what you call an in-season throwback. Yep, yep, yep. I do, I, I will say one of my offensive observations, though, is I can't wait to see what DeAndre Swift looks like this season when they just let him loose. It feels yeah. like, it just feels like he's just, he's doing what he needs to do. He's playing, you know, he's been in conservative plays and he's doing, well, I mean, it doing feels his like job he right. wasn't, he wasn't healthy until this week. Well, I sure. Mean, to yeah. me. But he's still been in big plays. He hasn't, you know, he's, he's started a couple times and um, I think that it lends itself more to the injury, but just watching him, him, play and watching him kind of be out on the field is like he's getting the job done he's still pulling defenders with him he's still breaking tackles but then he's just getting the job done above average and i still feel like there's so much more ceiling for him to kind of move through and it could be like you said it could be that he's just healthy enough but i don't I, i'm i'm very excited to see what he's going to do next me too me especially too. against this next four what is this four or five teams we have to play in the next yeah six weeks yeah i mean i mean especially the next three um yeah kentucky florida lsu that this is going to kind of decide the season i think personally yeah so i think that's about it for takeaways um you want to go over our predictions sure so our first over under was um nathan threw out an over under of four and a half justin fields passes thrown and depends on how you look at it (laughs) they were three completions but six attempts Passes thrown is attempt. I'm giving. I, I, I see you didn't color either. I'm color. I'm just gonna go ahead and color that green for myself because yeah, that's fine. That that's is fine. that is correct. <laughs> uh, because that that's what that. Oh, I'm very colorblind, so that's the wrong green. 
Yeah, it works. Nathan was over. I was under, which is why I tried to uh, pull one over on him. Anyway, next over and under was 52 points scored. We both said over. We uh, were definitely over 52 points. 200 UGA passing yards. We both said over. We finished the game with 341. My first over under was one and a half interceptions. Nathan Nathan called over. I called under. Though, to be fair, I, I'm pretty sure I talked you into that one. Yeah, you did. Just... But it's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, over under Shermer, 200 passing yards. You said under. He was 169. I was thinking he'd probably hit at least 200, which was his average for the year. And then over under 0.5 sacks in standard downs on Shermer. We both said over. There was one in standard downs. Nice. Yep. And and we tied on our game predictions. We did tie on our game predictions. Nathan said 42-17 Georgia, which gives him a five-point difference. I said 45-14 Georgia, which gives me a five-point difference. It's a pretty good time. Not bad at all. I think you still come away with it by a couple wins, but that's okay. You got every single one correct, but yeah. No, I got one wrong. Did you? Oh, you did yeah. get one wrong. Okay. Yeah, I got the interceptions one wrong. That means... Oh, we tie. We tied. Just a tie overall. What a good day it was. But yeah, that's that's pretty much Vanderbilt. That's kind of what happened. What else... Uh, what are you super excited about going forward to these next few games? Like, looking at them right now, what are you most excited about seeing? What do you want to see the most... Um, I mean, I, I just I I want to see what this defense or what this offense looks like when it has to score against a good team because I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to see and I and I think exciting thing for us because I think this offense is very very good. It's very good. Let's do it. It's Ask CBC time. Ask CBC. Our very first Ask CBC is Ryan Clark. Ready. And he asks, what is your favorite play and or series of the year so far? Mm. Do you have one that comes to mind? I mean, to me, it's probably the uh, the series that was the series in which we like sort of won the uh, South Carolina game when we just ran it like 15 times. That's always just like ugh, so beautiful. Which one? Uh, this It was like the last offensive series in the South Carolina game where we ran it 10 times in a row and they just couldn't stop us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked who was it that was it um I think it was Godwin this past game. I think it was our first score of the game. He caught the ball at around the ten, and then like somebody tried to tackle him and he broke the tackle by spinning the guy off of him and then ran in for a touchdown. And then he and then he like flips his hips on the other guy and just walks yeah. past him. Yeah. And I don't like that man had a good hold of him and he threw him with his body. <laughs> that was yeah, I think that's my favorite play of the uh, season so far it's pretty incredible um so this is a fun one maybe we should do let's do this other one before we get into this <laughs> yeah yeah we, we want to end with we had a very good question that we spent way too much time on and we're gonna go through all of it so let's yeah. end on that all season i've been saying we have to get the tight ends involved in the offense by getting the ball in their hands do you expect to see more at lsu um yes i mean to this point we've to this point over six games we have uh basically amassed 90 percent of the um tight end yardage the that we had all last year we had something like 600 yards all last year and we already have we already have like or we had like six catches all last year and we already have five to this point this year i think five they had five on the uh day on saturday so yes i do see that becoming more of an offense more part of the offense and i think part of it has to do with the fact just with the fact that you know cheney is the tight ends coach right now so Mm -hmm. also our offensive line is better than it's ever been not ever been in and you know in recent years and so our tight ends are able to get more involved in the offense rather than blocking correct that's what it feels like anyway 
Number two, during the hurry up, it almost seemed that Fromm was making the play calls. Do you think that hurry up will be the difference maker against LSU? We talked about this too, just making it, it seemed like Fromm had a bit more autonomy and he was able to, to kind of call what he saw and what was going on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be really important. And I think it'll be increasingly important against, as we go forward against better and better teams. However, I do think that like, you know, on it, it, it's hard to say that that'll be the difference. Oh, I did it again. I did the, uh, I did the, <laughs> yeah i did i did it again um but we can see what might be the difference maker like what what well how do we match up against lsu real quick just like a quick snapshot okay yeah so the reason i don't think that the short the reason that i don't think that the the up-tempo game is going to be the difference is because in short um you know lsu is not a team that is going to allow you to run up-tempo very often because they're going to have these long pounding drives and i think you know Cheney and Kirby's concern would be that if you run up tempo and it doesn't work, you just had the ball for 10 seconds. Your defense is just going to get pounded like for 10 or 15 more carries than when you give the ball back to LSU. So basically the word is on LSU, they're pretty inefficient. Pretty much all they can do is run up the middle with relative efficacy and throw it deep. And if you can force them to basically not do that, right? If you can either stop the run game enough that they have to throw uh, um, you know, a mid-level pass, or if you can stop the run game without getting sucked into the play action, you can beat them. Joe Burrow, at, to this point this year, has been just like basically a slightly above average quarterback. But yeah. um, he's he not accurate. Not, yeah, he has not shown the ability to win a game on his own. And you know what Florida did is they ran they they either ran a blitz or a run blitz on like seventy percent of the plays that LSU ran, and basically just said, "Okay, Joe, you beat us," and he couldn't right um so i don't know no you're right that's exactly right it just yeah looking over just a quick snapshot what i really enjoy about the advanced stats we have is that everything is shaded from red to green and so you can see like a really light shade of red when it's like just kind of bad and like a really deep like beautiful ruby red when it's real bad and um most of those you know nice beautiful red shades are all in the receiving stats marginal explosiveness and marginal efficiency meaning that Joe Burrow is just not putting the ball in these players' hands. Like It's kind of one of those things where you're like, if I say if I say everyone else is an a**hole, then eventually you got to say, like, wait, maybe I'm the a**hole. Not saying that Joe Burrow is saying that about his receivers, but that's just the, the metaphor I can use for the situation. Yeah, I mean, so long story short, the hurry-up will be very important going forward, but I don't think it will be important against LSU and specifically. It's going to be specifically. unnecessary. Yeah, I just checked. I think we're good. All right, so Capital Bell, Jennifer B., this is our beer segment. Jennifer B. asked, if every every if every SETC team was a brand of beer, what would they be? So we spent too long, way too much time on this. So let's start in the SEC East. And I guess we can just go through by the ones that we did. Sure. Basically. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. I said, University of Florida, Dogfish Head 60-Minute IPA. Uh, solid. Very, very good uh, in the early 2000s. Has fallen off in quality. And didn't exist before 1995. Very religious. Very uh, religious. Su- like super, like surprisingly religious. Is Dogfish Head surprisingly religious? No, I'm, I'm totally making that up. I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> I did that to you. On, I'm sorry. They're, they're from Rhode Island, so that would have shocked me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, I'll skip over ours for the moment uh, and go straight to Kentucky. Kentucky is Drafty Kilt. And Drafty Kilt is a bourbon. Well, it's actually originally a Scotch uh, barrel aged beer. Um, it's a scotch ale but they have a black barrel bourbon series and so it's aged in bourbon barrels and so 
you know, it's kind of Kentucky wanted to bring bourbon to the party, but then heard of this is more like a craft beer party. And so, you know, and in this metaphor, bourbon is basketball. Yeah, bourbon is basketball <laughs> that, you know, hasn't had hasn't really had much to say about beer in the past years, hasn't considered themselves a beer person. But all of a sudden, really into the, you know, this this craft beer now that they've discovered Drafty Kilt and the fact that it's made in bourbon barrels. The only Kentucky fan that I know would be very into this metaphor. That, I'm very looking glad. At you, looking at you, Turner Hawkins. Um, <laughs> University of Tennessee, Zima. Great in the 90s. Can't be found now. <laughs> it's so gross. Tastes uh, like pineapple. Kind of weird, but like bizarrely effective at what it did. And you can't find it anymore because it basically doesn't exist. Yeah, unless you're really, really looking for it. You got to think yeah. really hard about where yeah. you could find it. Yeah. Uh, Vanderbilt. We put, <laughs> I said, anything from Jester King. You probably haven't heard about it. Vandy is the, they are the academic hipsters of the SEC. So Jester King is also a, a brewery without any core beers. They just make everything seasonally. And so you can't go there and expect anything in particular. It's just whatever you get is what you get. Which is pretty much exactly the same thing that happens when you go to Vandy. Mm-hmm. Um, South Carolina is PBR. Basically, any ta- anything tastes good in Columbia weather, and any football team when you live in Columbia, South Carolina, seems good. Even one coached by Will Muschamp, who is Will Muschamp, who is just the most like uh, I heard today on Every Day Should Be Saturday. They said that Will Muschamp would be the guy that you would want to be your mechanic in the apocalypse because if you brought him a car with like three wheels with a busted engine, he would make you a uh, motorcycle out of it. And sure, the motorcycle <laughs> would be ugly and kind of wouldn't work, but it sort of would. Um, and that's kind of how PBR is, right? But yeah, it'd get I mean, you there. It's not amazing, but man, it, it's kind of like uh, Will Muschamp's offensive philosophy. Like it's it's not good, but if you but do it enough, like maybe it'll work. <laughs> it's got wheels, and I think I saw something look like this once. Yeah, exactly. All right, Mizzou, our last uh, SEC East. Well, besides us, we uh, Mizzou. I said side project brewing company, and uh, not that great of a metaphor, other than you can only find it there in Missouri. Like it, you can't get it anywhere else besides Missouri, and so. It's really good at home and not real good at home. other places. Like it's it's banging at home. Like dang. Yeah. You want to go get it there. But um and then nowhere UG- else though. Yeah, nowhere else. <laughs> uh UGA we we kind of, you know, you can't go outside of Athens when we have such a good craft beer uh company here and we just said Athena because it's the Greek goddess of wisdom and war and we're really into Greek mythology. Um and it's just so damn refreshing, a lot more so than those old Berliner vices. Yeah, and let me let me give you a couple of other like deeper deeper parts to this metaphor first off athena way too many white people like it just some obnoxious <laughs> ass white people like uh-huh. athena and so that's pretty good second athena was the goddess of wisdom and war but was also the most petty horrible bitch in the greek pantheon <laughs> and that's saying something because like the greek pantheon is the worst like athena uh, my favorite athena story and this is real life athena was that um is the story of arachne arachne was a weaver who would not give credit to the gods for her for her for her beautiful tapestries that she wove and athena described herself as an old woman and went to arachne and was like hey yo arachne you should probably pray to the gods and arachne was like no i did this myself this is my talent i don't need to give anything to the gods so then and then athena turns into athena and she's like whoa what up like it's me athena and he and then arachne because arachne is the best arachne was like yeah actually you know what athena let's let's have a weave off and athena decided that the the subject of their tapestries would be like the great accomplishments of the greek gods and so athena wove this thing about like the making of the cosmos and the chaining of the titans and bringing you know bringing fire to humanity and arachne made a tapestry of all the time that zeus had raped women jesus and so arachne basically bodies just like bodied up on athena one functionally and then athena was like whatever you petty 
and turned her into the first spider and was like, if you want to weave so much, you can weave for the rest of your life forever. And so that's where spiders come from. Athena being petty. And UGA is the pettiest place on the planet. So <laughs> so there it is. Let's go to the SEC West. Let's go to the SEC West. Yeah. You, wanna, you have a few more in here than I do. So you want to throw one out? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Arkansas, Victory Golden Monkey. It's sometimes okay, but don't ever do it more than once because you'll die. <laughs> it's like it's it's like pretty good and you're like well this shouldn't really work but it kind of works and it's like a double uh and it tastes pretty good but it's like you know nine percent abv and if you have more than one season of brett bielema you'll die oh yeah it'll kill you texas a&m is american amber is the american amber from uh jekyll brewing because i just wanted to find a beer that represented them you know they just wanted to cling to something that already had an identity because they're just trying to find theirs you know yeah yeah new kid on the block weird competent you know not bad but also kind of just weird i said auburn was hop executioner because when it's good hot damn it's the best thing you've ever seen but when it's bad it's like what the hell guys uh and it won't stop talking about how how it was when it was good you guys remember when a hop executioner was good <laughs> hey actually i feel like this is like a a, a a backhanded like slap at me because i do that a lot i know you do uh, <laughs> i'm sorry all right um you got one give give us alabama uh alabama is plenty the elder from russian river brewing out in california it's 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 good like it kind of it set the tone for double ipas everywhere and they can't change it now because it already has its identity and that's what it is it's boring it's good and your friends won't stop telling you how good it is we get it mississippi state yingling locker functional it'll get you drunk every time and run for three yards of carry every snap uh it's not as good as it should be maybe but also it's better than it should be somehow simultaneously it's like the schrodinger's beer Schrodinger's beer, rather. And Mississippi State's kind of like that, you know? They're just going to run 3.5 yards of carry and just boring, like, offense you to death. And hell, it's a dollar on the Thursdays at Cutters. Yeah, I mean, so, like, you love it, kind of. I yeah. mean, that's how, I, that's how I felt about Mississippi State. I watch their games, and I'm like, man, I love this team, but I would hate to be a fan of them. Although I do <laughs> love their fans. Their, fan, their fans are amazing on Twitter. They're so horrible. I love... Klanga is so funny to me. Klanga, Klanga, Klanga. Um, let's end with Ole Miss. LSU. Okay. A beta brewing purple haze. It's from Louisiana, and it's not as good as you think it is. No, it's got chunks of stuff in there. They say it's fruit, but I don't believe them. They just—I mean, you—you you don't have to unfilter everything, a beta. No, do better. I think this is—I think this is some like old like Acadian Louisiana bullshit too. <laughs> it's like it's rustic. It's back for the bayou, but it's like <laughs> no, actually, you have a you have a state of the art brewing facility. Just fix this. Yeah, do uh, better. Ole Miss. Ole Miss is Four loco original recipe. It's just illegal basically <laughs> i mean yeah when you could get it back in the day when hugh freeze was running that offense hell yeah it was fun but also you'd wake up the next day and shame and like a shame pill you know a shame pool of your own vomit next to someone you didn't know and what now do, do? Like, now it's illegal and it should be illegal okay our uh, very last segment the dr james bearfield troll corner presented by cheer wine the wine that gives you diabetes tm 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 nathan could you explain the paradox of uf upsetting lsu it's not actually much of a paradox uf has beat lsu in tiger stadium the last four times they played there so i mean i guess the paradox is that like ed orgeron loses to a team that's probably less talented than him but mm-hmm. like shocking whoops what else we got on a scale from one to ten how cool and interesting are pylon cams nathan they are both cool and interesting and you know how i know that we didn't start talking about that till like 45 minutes into the last episode <laughs> you listen to it jackass <laughs> but on a scale from one to ten though eight <laughs> move next question <laughs> i don't know why that was so funny to me but you said it was such vigor uh, <laughs> what poem would you equate to the vandy game and why <clears throat> get it ready if by rudyard kipling dim your lights real low 
If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowances for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about it, don't deal in lies or being hated, don't give way to the hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truths you've spoken twisted by knaves who make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn out tools, if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss, and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss, if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone, and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on, if you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Ooh. So, yeah, it's pretty good, right? I like Rudyard Kipling. Rudyard Kipling can write the out of a poem. A little little bit like old school, like toxic masculinity, but I love this poem. Um, uh, to me, this is like the Vandy game because it really sort of comes out. Uh, to this point, last season, UGA had been in... Uh, I mean, arguably three hard-fought games, right? Close win, relatively close win over South Carolina, relatively close win over even Appalachian State, right? Closer than it probably should have been. Very, very close win over Notre Dame. And at this point, we we were a battle-tested unit. And, you know, now we're not. We've only been losing this year for 15 seconds of, of game time. And if you measure that out in real time, it was like approximately two to three real time minutes. So to me, this team, the conundrum of this team is that it's a big if. UGA as a team can do everything I just said, but it's just still an if. And so this is that what that made me think of as I watched this game was just what are we going to do in these next three games? Because if there is an unforgiving minute in this schedule, it is the next three games. That's it, folks. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else you can subscribe to a podcast. You can always get in touch with us on Facebook by searching our name. You can email us at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com. Yell at us on Twitter or Instagram and tag us at chapelbellcurve. Make sure you hashtag AskCBC and you can find yourself on the show as well. We will answer your questions here on the air. You can also find us on our website, chapelbellcurve.com, as it is a hub for our content, blog posts, episodes, Twitter feeds, and anything else we find relevant just throughout the week. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a rating and a review. It does a great job in helping us get in front of other people so that others can enjoy the show just as you hopefully did today. If you want to come correct, you can find us on Twitter. Me at Nathan J. Lawrence. Oh, and... yes. And I am at the Justin Bray. But listen, if you get up on my Twitter, that's fine. It's open. But if you say about politics, you better be ready because I know more about politics than I know about this bullshit. And I am so ready. God, I'm like a knife. I'm, I'm a step and razor. So you better come right. <laughs> it's I ho- true. Hopefully you can. You've, hopefully you can get the Twitter plug out of that before it just descended into madness. I think it's better that way. But anyway, you can catch us in the Classic City until we talk about LSU when we go down back to the Bayou. That's mm-hmm. my very best Louisiana accent, which is terrible. But until then, go dogs. Go dogs.